I'm trying not to get too worked up after the spring game, but the Miami Hurricanes are laying the foundations with their talent acquisitions, and here's how. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Sunday. I'm Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So we get this question uh, comment from RQ on our YouTube channel who says, hey, trying to figure out how improved Miami looks on both sides of the ball. Is it personnel, new coaches or a combo of both? What's your opinion, Dono? So, again, uh, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. I know sometimes people think I'm, like, way too much of a homer just because I smile when I talk about what's happening on Green Tree. Uh, But I'm not going to get too crazy about improvements right now since we're just through five weeks of spring practices and a spring game where it's Miami versus Miami. But uh, the evidence that I've seen out on Green Tree and I think the evidence that we saw uh, at Dry Pink Stadium during the spring game is Miami this season, they're going to be a little bit bigger than they were last year. They're going to be a little stronger, and they're going to be at least a little bit deeper. Overall, there's certain positions that need help still. But when you can make your team a little bit bigger, stronger, and deeper than they were last year, that's the first step in trying to become a powerhouse program. That's a journey. Miami's not going to get there this year. If they can stay on their trajectory, they can hopefully be there within the next couple of years because what do powerhouse programs like the Georgias and the Alabamas have in common? They dominate you at the line of scrimmage. That's one. And they're bigger and faster than you. Okay? Talent acquisition is so important. We talk about that before we talk about coaching, right? Because even if you have the coaches – If you don't have the Jimmys and Joes on the field, even if you have those X's and O's, if you don't have the Jimmys and Joes, you can only go so far. The talent acquisition is the most important thing in college football. And I think we saw a couple of examples on display on Friday night at the spring game of early enrollee incoming freshmen who are going to become difference makers on Saturdays over the next couple of years. You saw Reuben Bain out there, number 44, That's someone that opposing offensive coordinators are going to have to be game planning against for the next three to five years. Reuben Bain is someone who's going to keep opposing offensive coordinators awake at night a little bit longer, trying to figure out how to keep that guy in check and from wreaking havoc on your quarterbacks and on your backfield. Okay. I think Ray Ray Joseph is showing us that he's someone who's hopefully going to be in that category as well at wide receiver for Miami. And, you know, Year one for Ray Ray, early enrollee freshman, true freshman this coming year. Is he going to set the ACC on fire year one? Maybe not, probably not, but I think we're seeing the signs that this guy is going to be a weapon because he's got playmaking, play, playmaking ability, he's got speed, and he's got shiftiness that Miami has been lacking in their receiver core for the last couple of years. We saw his speed on full display when he scored that long touchdown from Emory Williams to end the game. Miami needs more weapons like that. And yes, while I do think Miami is overall getting deeper, there are positions that do need injections of talent and depth, hopefully in the transfer portal here soon. 
if you can get your house in order at defensive tackle, which is an area that needs more. Now, I know some of your best guys were not available in the spring game, like Leonard Taylor and Jared Harrison Hunt. I was looking at them on the sidelines. They haven't participated in spring for minor injuries. They didn't play in the spring game, so there is help coming. But Miami does need more help, I believe, from outside the program. So if you can get that house in order at defensive tackle, that's going to add to what Miami is building in the trenches because they are obviously building the offensive line big time. And then to answer the next part of RQ's question, of course, I do think coaching can and will make a huge difference, right? I wanted to talk about talent acquisition first because I think that is the most important thing. But then you also have the coaches to put them in the right positions and since we're talking about college football, where these guys are not showing up on campus as finished products, yes, the coaches need to develop them as well. That's why position coaches like Jason Taylor, who, boy, I was sitting right behind the Miami sideline for the first half of the spring game. I love watching Jason Taylor coach, lecture, and yell a little bit during that spring game. I love it. Uh, you know, I've been watching Kevin Beard, the new wide receivers coach, very closely throughout spring practice, and Tim Harris Jr., the running backs coach. That teaching is so important, and I do believe Miami has some very good teachers in place. Alex Mirabal, of course, with the offensive line coaches. You've got some very good teachers as your position coaches, and of course, the coordinators. In the case of Lance Guidry on defense, I can't wait to see what Miami looks like in the regular season because, of course, you don't show too much scheme-wise in a spring game. Lance Guidry's D is known for confusing opposing quarterbacks. His defense at Marshall last year, top five in every category. Remarkable when you look at the defensive stats by Marshall. And it wasn't all against lesser competition because you saw how Marshall's defense completely befuddled Notre Dame en route to that big upset victory. On offense, Shannon Dawson. Uh, it's going to be a lot more quarterback friendly and a lot more wide receiver friendly. We saw a little bit of that in the spring game. It's going to be more vertical and it's going to be more attractive to recruits, right? When you, when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks and recruiting wide receivers, and if you guys missed it, we had our welcome to the U for Chance Robinson, four-star wide receiver who verbally committed to Miami on Friday night. So welcome in Chance. I don't think Chance is the last high-profile wide receiver that's going to you know, announce for Miami pretty soon. I think more help is coming, but absolutely schematics, position coaches are going to make a, a big difference. But I would say the talent acquisition is the most important thing. Um, my friends, I, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I spent my more Sunday morning, while some of you were like sleep until 11, Sunday morning, I woke up at 8 a.m., which for me is sleeping in. If I, if I sleep past like 6.45, that's sleeping in. But then as soon as I woke up, I fired up the replay of the spring game. Watched it in person on Friday night. You know, kind of took the day off from studying, you know, on Saturday. But then on Sunday, I fired up the replay of the spring game. And I'm excited to break down some of what I saw on the replay that I didn't see as much of being live at the game um, I want to talk a little bit about special teams. I want to talk a lot about the running backs because I did neglect them in my immediate recap yesterday and about some of the other wide receivers who stood out to me and about a defensive back that I didn't give enough love to and a defensive end that I didn't give enough love to. So folks, you're going to want to keep it locked right here to locked on canes and all playoffs long and all baseball season long. You want to keep it locked to FanDuel Sportsbook. We're so happy to have them on, on board with the Locked On family. 
from grand slams to no hitters, double plays, they're all back. And there's no better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. That means you have literally nothing to lose with your first bet. So whether you're betting on baseball or the NBA playoffs, my Miami Heat are in action later tonight. Do not miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. On this episode, more observations from the spring game. We will talk recruiting and transfer portal as well. And for the everydayers, for the heroes out there who listen to us and watch us every single freaking day, tomorrow on Monday's episode, we are going to be interviewing a University of Miami legend and Hall of Famer, UM Sports Hall of Famer, that the real ones and the hardcore ones, you know this guy. And for those who don't, I think you're in for a treat. Longtime athletic trainer. This guy has seen everything from all the championship seasons up to this point. Vinny Scavo is going to join us on Monday's episode. And I got a feeling my man has some stories because Vinny has been in the weeds and he's been in the trenches for a long time with not only Miami's football program, but baseball, basketball. Vinny has done and seen a little bit of everything. So he's going to join us on Monday's episode. So uh, other observations from the spring game. Uh, I didn't talk enough about special teams from Friday. Very happy to see Andy Borigalis hit a 51 yarder. Uh, that's a good warm-up for him. You know, he's just got to find more of that consistency. We know Andy's got a great leg, comes from a great kicking family. Of course, his brother, Jose, was a Groza winner at Miami a few years back. And, you know, Andy just got to get more experience heading into his sophomore year. He's going to be fine. And, you know, I, I want to make sure people understand what was going on with the punting game, right? Because Miami used two different punters in the spring game. We did have some poor punts and a shank, but... The bad ones were from the backup punter, right? So the new Aussie punter, the first string punter, Dylan Joyce, he looked all right to me. I don't know if he'll, he's ever going to be Lou Headley. He's got to get some more tattoos, this guy Joyce. But Joyce does come highly touted out of Australia. Uh, he's been very good throughout spring. I think Joyce is going to be fine. It's just hopefully we don't have to use the backup punter very much because we did have some shanks and some poor kicks there. Um so something that uh, I didn't talk about enough in yesterday's episode was the fact that both of Miami's starting guards were unavailable, right? You didn't see Javion Cohen at left guard or Inez Cooper on the right. So Javion Cohen, he picked up uh, what I, I believe is a pretty minor you know, injury during the warmups, right? But held out as a precaution. And I think the same thing happened with Inez Cooper, that Inez Cooper picked up something in the warmups and didn't play in the spring game because of that. So, you know, and, and again, um, I guess I shouldn't sugarcoat it to say that, you know, Miami's offensive line didn't really impress me all that much in the spring game, you know, and, and even a guy who is a projected starter, Jalen Rivers at left tackle, you know, did get, did get beaten some uh, on the left side, which is not great, but I do think you should probably panic a little bit less about the offensive line getting beaten somewhat consistently by Miami's D line. When you factor in the fact that you're starting left guard and you're starting right guard 
didn't play. So you weren't getting that complete unit uh, from the offensive line. Um, you know, another thing that I, I noticed uh, upon rewatch that, you know, I, I want to see cleaned up a little bit once the actual season starts, Miami's defense had a lot of opportunities at interceptions that they should have caught and didn't. So you need to finish those plays because like they're, I don't have to tell you guys, there's a big difference between a pass breakup and an INT. Like if you finish some of these plays, it's going to put your team and your defense in a way better position. So maybe that was a little bit sloppy. Um, you know, a guy who uh, who I noticed a lot more on the rewatch that I noticed initially was Jaleel Skinner at tight end, number 23. Uh, Colby Young, same thing. I noticed him more on rewatch and Xavier Restrepo. And I did, I did say some nice things about Restrepo yesterday, but he popped to me even more when I was re-watching uh, the game. And I already did yesterday. I sang the praises of Jacoby George, who caught two touchdowns, including that deep one in the corner of the end zone from Van Dyke. Uh, I got a better angle on it on the rewatch because on my live experience, I was like on the kind of on the other side of the field in the stands. So I, I got a good angle of Van Dyke throwing the football, didn't get a, a very good angle on the catch. And very, very well done by Jacoby George and Tyler put it right in the bread basket. So that was an even better throw and catch uh, watching it on replay than watching it live. So, you know, wide receiver, uh, we know, and I sang the praises of Ray Ray Joseph as well in this episode and in yesterday's episode. I think this guy in the future is going to be a problem for opposing teams. He's the type of guy you're going to have to really game plan against, okay? So, you know, I, I know that I'm talking all bullishly about these wide receivers. Um, we got to wait and see, okay? Like, we have to wait and see because a lot of the same guys, Ray Ray wasn't here, of course, and Robbie Washington wasn't here last year, of course, but a lot of these same guys that I'm singing the praises of right now were on the team last year and they didn't do a lot and they didn't do it consistently. Injuries did play a part in that, but you've got unproven and untapped potential in this wide receiver room, right? Where Colby young transformed his body to get faster. It shows he's done a really, really nice job in the weight room and in the strength and conditioning program, for Jacoby George, I think he could have been really, really good or great last year, but he missed a lot of time last season. Same thing with Restrepo. These guys have to go out there and they have to prove it consistently. Isaiah Horton is another one. Horton, number 16, had some nice catches in the game, caught a good one from Emery Williams. You know, he was a, a true freshman last year, kept his red shirt uh, from last year. So he's a red shirt freshman now, but didn't do much of anything last season. There's a lot of untapped, unproven potential. We need to see these guys actually show it on the field in a consistent basis. But wide receiver last year was a major problem on this team, a major problem. These guys weren't creating separation. They weren't holding on to footballs. Um, based on how hard they've been working and how hard Kevin Beard has been working with them, I do feel better cautiously better about a lot of the same guys who didn't perform well last year. So hopefully wide receiver is not going to be a problem this year, the way that it was last year. Got a good question from our listener, James, who said, Hey, did the running backs, I don't think he was able to watch the game maybe because he's asking a lot of questions about like what happened. He said, Hey, did the running backs do anything? Because I, I didn't really mention the running backs in the immediate recap yesterday. So I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like as far as highlight real stuff goes, it was very quiet from the running game, uh, but that doesn't mean that they were bad. Okay. And I think I didn't talk about the running backs yesterday because you didn't see like huge gains being broken off. Uh, you know, in the first half when tackling to the ground was actually allowed, 
We didn't see any carries over 10 yards. I think a 10-yard gain and first down from Henry Parrish was the longest run Miami had. But with that said, um, both running backs looked all right to me. They were fighting for yards. I saw a few, especially hard runs uh, from Don Chaney, who I feel so good about right now because he's worked so hard to come off all these injury problems. And, you know, Henry Parrish, who I expect to be the starting running back once the season begins. Um, you know, Chaney had a run or two in the second half because in the first half they allowed tackling to the ground. In the second half they didn't. They were blowing plays dead for thudding. So I did think that Chaney had a run or two in the second half that might have been big plays if they weren't blown dead for the thudding. Um, but again, when I talk about what we saw and didn't see from the running backs, it's a lot of the same stuff from last year that you saw like a guy like Henry Parrish picking up really tough yards, but nobody was breaking off any big explosive plays from that room. Okay. So hopefully that's going to pick up here. And remember, you've got a home run threat. He's going to be a true freshman. So I don't know how much you expect from him year one, but Christopher Johnson in the future, hopefully the near future is going to be your home run hitter running back because he's got blazing speed. And Mark Fletcher is just a great all around back. When he arrives, it's going to inject a little bit more into that room. Uh, so like the running game, it wasn't bad. It just, it didn't really pop. I think is the best way to describe that. Uh, but speaking of the running game, I was so happy and we knew this was going to happen because you only had two scholarship running backs available in the spring game. I was so happy to see our guy, friend of the show, walk on running back Mike Perino, the Italian stallion getting on the field in the second half. I'm actually wearing his hat today. You see that Italian stallion. That's the Mike Perino hat. Thank you so much to his father, Keith. Uh, for hooking me up with the hat. I'm definitely going to be wearing this a lot this year. Uh, Perino had a first down. He had a couple of a uh, handful of carries in the game. Uh, and if you guys watch the interview we did with Mike Perino on Friday, you know how cool of a story he has and how hard he and his family have worked, you know, to get him at Miami. And, you know, hopefully he gets some opportunities during the regular season this year. Got to talk about a couple of the defensive ends when we come back. And, We've got a couple of transfer portal updates, some things to monitor, okay? And we got to talk about wide receiver, which is I, – I know I just said that a lot of the guys from last year are doing better, but believe me, uh, Miami still needs to add a playmaker in the transfer portal. They need to add a defensive tackle in the transfer portal as well. We're going to talk about that and more right here on Locked on Canes. Keep it locked. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, someone else I noticed on my rewatch that I didn't talk about yesterday, because when I was talking about edge rushers, it was all about Reuben Bain. <laughs> like he was so good, but I should have given some love to Cyrus Moss. Cyrus Moss looked good. He's coming along nicely. He didn't get on the field last year as a true freshman, uh, you know, he's got great bend and great talent um, coming out of uh, coming out of Bishop Gorman. But he just he needs to put on more and keep on more size just to play at the power five level. And it seems to me like Jason Taylor is mentoring him because uh, Jason, who, of course, has the Hall of Fame jacket. Now, he wasn't born with that gold jacket on, you know, JT, similar deal when he was coming out of high school into college at Akron. He had trouble keeping on size. He was an undersized, lanky defensive end, kind of like Cyrus Moss. And so 
I like how JT is taking Moss under his wing and mentoring him. And I think that could end up being, you know, a, a dynamic duo. It's going to be like, uh, like Mickey and Rocky kid, you gotta eat lightning and you gotta crap thunder. Like I hopefully JT and you know, he's got like Cyrus Moss chasing chickens around and then like hitting raw meat in the back of the butcher shop. I think that could end up being a, a partnership that bears fruit there. So I was happy with what Moss was doing. And, you know, if, if this stuff all plays out, Miami could end up, you know, I, I, they're very thin at defensive tackle in the interior. But on the outside, Miami could have an embarrassment of riches at edge rusher, right? Because you got guys like Nigel Lee Kelly and Akeem Mesidor and Jafari Harvey in the fold as well. Um, so I, I think that's really cool. And a couple of our commenters um, got a good look. You were sitting right behind Collins Achiampong on the sideline. Now, Achiampong did not play in the spring game. Like, he was there, like, with a jersey on on the sideline because he's working his way back from an injury from high school. He didn't play in the spring game. But those of you who got a look at him from, you know, 15, 20 feet away telling me he looks like a physical freak. Uh, and, you know, that that's a name to remember. Learn it and learn how to pronounce it. Achiampong. Because that dude, six foot seven defensive end, Originally from Ghana, he's got that crazy athleticism, lower body strength, bend, six foot freaking seven. Uh, and another guy who I think is going to be mentored, hopefully very well, by Jason Taylor. Do not forget about Collins at Chiampong because he's going to be a stud at some point in the future, okay? Um, let me see. Uh, Francisco Mauingoa, we did talk about him a little bit on the immediate recap episode. He looked awesome at linebacker number 51, Kiko. Uh, he's going to be a starter this year, I believe. Um, I thought Daryl Porter looked good in coverage. I noticed him in my rewatch in a way that I didn't notice him as much in the initial viewing. You know, Porter is someone I expect to be a starter at cornerback this year, uh, and he's making a lot of progress in the spring. Um, there are a couple of big time defensive tackles in the transfer portal. Okay. Remember the transfer portal. Well, what is today? The, uh, the 16th, the transfer portal has been uh, reopened here for a little over 24 hours. And there are some Miami targets who are in it right now. Uh, defensive tackle is a big position of priority. Keep your eyes on Auburn's Jeffrey Emba. I'm not saying this is a slam dunk, but I can report Miami has reached out to him. That information was given to me by an Auburn source when he officially entered the transfer portal. Now, Emba, uh, I can remember, um, was about to enter the portal in December, you know, when the, the first opening, like I think he had announced it, he was entering the portal, but then he walked it back. He decided to wait until the spring. Um, I think he's wanted to get out of Auburn ever since Brian Harson was fired. Uh, I guess he was a Harson guy, you know, just decided, hey, with this coach out, I want to want to try my luck somewhere else. Uh, international player originally from France. Miami is always an attractive city to internationals. Like, you know, for someone who grew up in France, Miami's probably a little bit more appealing than some of the traditional college towns out there. Uh, and Emba, this is a guy we could really need and really use. Okay. Six foot six, 310 plus pounds. You cannot teach that sort of size. And when we talk about a lot of Miami's defensive tackles, you know, the Branson Deans and the Thomas Gores of the world, who I think can be very good here, uh, but they're a little bit undersized compared to the prototype. And Emba not only has the size, but he also has the quick feet and the athleticism to go with that. So he, you know, 
again, I, I don't I don't know for sure if he's coming, but I do know Miami has reached out to him and he should be someone of priority because we know Miami wants to be aggressive in getting another defensive tackle here. So another defensive tackle who's got a great name for a DT. I don't know if this is the name that's on his birth certificate or what, but uh, this is the name he goes by, Bear Alexander. <laughs> you can get that bear who's mauling people. So he's a Georgia defensive tackle who's in the transfer portal. Now, in the case of Bear Alexander, I can't say for sure if Miami has reached out to him, but it feels like a no-brainer that they would. However... Most of the reporting out of Georgia is pointing Bear to USC. A lot of people out of Georgia seem to think they already know something about where he's going, and it's pointing him to Southern California. So if that's the case, it sounds like he might have already made up his mind before he officially hit the portal. Uh, he's six foot three, 325 pounds. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping all this smoke pointing him towards uh, Lincoln Riley and USC. I'm hoping that's premature and, you know, Miami can get in on his recruitment a little bit because this is the exact type of guy we need. If Miami can land either Emba or Bear, uh, we'd be in very, very good shape, much better shape at defensive tackle. Uh, another top priority position in the portal is wide receiver. Someone who's an interesting option out there. Um, I don't know how interested he is in Miami because apparently nobody can track down this dude for an interview. He's, he keeps his recruitment very close to the vest. He's not talking to a lot of reporters. Jaquai Jackson, he's a Division II All-American. He's transferring from California University in Pennsylvania. Isn't that interesting? And it reminds me of, I know you guys don't like when I bring up this name because of the saga, but you remember Jaden Rashada. Jaden Rashada went to Pittsburgh High School in California, which is weird. And this guy, Jaquai Alexander, went to California University in Pennsylvania. I don't, I don't know what, what this weird connection is between Pennsylvania and California. But uh, on to Jaquai Jackson was a standout in Division Two. He's ready to make a leap into the next level. Six foot three, about 180 pounds. And he runs the 40-yard dash in the 4-4 range. So that's a guy who can take the top off the defense, home run hitter. Uh, and, you know, since he is in Pennsylvania, he's being considered uh, – he is considering the Pitt Panthers. So Pitt might be Miami's top competition uh, for that receiver. You may have to compete with, uh, with a, an ACC uh, competitor here. And then another one, we've talked about him a lot on this pod, Tyler Harrell, who's transferring from Alabama – um he's got blazing speed okay and he originally played at louisville he had some great production there he transferred to alabama and the unfortunate thing that happens is when no matter what position you play because alabama is so deep everywhere he gets to alabama he has some injury issues last year and he just he falls out of the rotation and once you fall out of a rotation at bama it's no matter how talented you are um i know there's that old cliche you can't lose your job due to injury that's the biggest B because how many times have we seen that happen? It's BS. Of course you can lose your job due to injury. Like you're at Alabama, you, you get injured. You know, once you work your way back, you, you've lost your spot. That's why he's looking to transfer. Um, now, Tyler Harrell, who, um, you know, speedy wide receiver. He's a Columbus high school grad. So you've got the Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal connection. The vibe that I get is that Tyler Harrell, might very well be Miami's top target. So hopefully they can get some good news from there. 
another recruiting note, I don't know as much about this player because he seems very underscouted, which is one of those things. But listen, underscouted doesn't necessarily mean someone isn't a great player because at the time Miami started recruiting Emory Williams last year, the quarterback, um, he didn't have any stars. Nobody knew anything about the kid from Milton, Florida, and Miami was in front of his recruitment. Uh, and now he's, you know, you saw how good Emory Williams looked in the spring game. He's coming along very, very nicely as an early enrollee freshman. Uh, Miami was very much ahead on Judd Anderson's recruitment. So hopefully that works out the same way. I'm a big fan of the verbal commit at quarterback. So here's one at cornerback who doesn't have any stars and is not very heralded at this time. But uh, Gabby Arudia from inside the U has put in a crystal ball for Miami to land. Baton Rouge, Louisiana cornerback Dylan Day, uh, who is someone who has a relationship with Lance Guidry. I believe Guidry was likely recruiting Day to Marshall and then probably to Tulane when Guidry briefly was uh, was working at Tulane before coming to Miami. Uh, so this uh, Dylan Day, class of 2024, six foot tall, 170 pound cornerback. We'll see. Uh, I, I'm going to learn more about him in the coming days because I do not know a whole lot because, again, very underscouted, doesn't have any stars right now. Um, I'm having a hard I, I think that they do have a highlight reel out there, a huddle reel. So I'm going to be watching that a little bit later on. And uh, this is one transfer portal wise outgoing. We already knew about this one, uh, but it was made official this weekend. Uh, all the best to tight end Khalil Brantley. He has officially hit the transfer portal as of yesterday. This is not a surprise. We've known since the start of spring ball in March that Khalil Brantley was entering the portal. He did not take part in any of Miami's spring practices. I think it was the night before spring practices opened, Khalil announced he was going to hit the portal, and so he was taken off the spring football roster. Um, just just a, a casualty of the numbers here. Uh, and I like Brantley. Brantley is a gifted pass catcher, so I think he could go somewhere else and put up really, really big numbers. He just happens to be part of one of the deepest rooms at Miami because the tight end room scary deep right now and i wish khalil brantley the best thank you guys for making locked on canes your first listen today if you're watching us on youtube hit the thumbs up button smash that like button subscribe to our channel if you listen to the audio version subscribe and leave us a five-star apple podcast review because not only do we give you shout outs when you do that but i noticed um we got a one-star review from a florida state fan the other day and that knocked down my average from a 5.0 to a 4.9. We let this Florida State fan, he took my fifth star away. We had five-star reviews. Florida State fan leaves a one-star. We're at 4.9. I need some five-star reviews from you guys to help us bump back up to five. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.